Hi, you're listening to You Can't Take It With You, the KPMG Law Estate Planning Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Higdon, and I'm joined by my co-host, Elena Speck. Say hi, Elena. Hello. (laughs) We're both lawyers at KPMG Law, and our show is about planning for old age, incapacity, and ultimately death. It's a huge topic, so each week we pick a manageable chunk of something we find interesting and we share it with our listeners. If you're an estates lawyer, an articling or law student, a professional advisor, or someone who just wants to be prepared, this podcast is for you. Today, our topic is beneficiary designations. And before we get started, I'll give a quick disclaimer. We'll be discussing our topic generally, and we cannot advise on anyone's unique situation. So you should speak to your lawyer for specific legal advice that's appropriate for you. KPMG Law is a truly global law firm with offices in more than 140 countries, but this podcast will speak to planning in Canada, where we're all from, and more particularly Ontario, where Elena and I practice. So with that out of the way, let's dive right in. So Elena, can you tell us what is a beneficiary designation? Well, Andrew, before we talk about beneficiary designations, I think we should talk about what a registered account is. Okay. All right. Well, what's a registered account? So a registered account is an investment account that is given tax-deferred or tax-sheltered status by the government. Okay. And what's the legislation that gives it that privilege? Uh, The Income Tax Act. Okay. Are there any registered accounts, or I've also heard them called registered plans, that our listeners would know of? Absolutely. So the most commonly referred to ones would be RSPs or uh, retirement savings plans. There are also tax-free savings accounts or TFSAs, but also registered retirement income funds or RIFs, uh, life income funds, locked-in retirement accounts. There's a whole host of them. Gracious. Okay. Well, I suppose before we go into too much detail, why don't I just briefly review uh, RSPs and TFSAs? Because I think those are the ones that most listeners are going to be familiar with. So when Elena was giving a definition of what constitutes a registered account, she said that it's a special plan that allows you to either defer or shelter income tax gains. Let's talk about what that means. So in the case of an RSP, an RSP is an account where your contributions in a year can be used to reduce your taxable income in that same year. The money that goes into that RSP, as I think you'll be familiar, is allowed to grow tax-free while it's in the RSP. So there's no income tax charged on growth while that growth is taking place in the RSP, but it's only a deferral of income tax. When you take money out of your RSP, when you make those withdrawals, you have to include the amount of the withdrawal in your income for the year that you make the withdrawal. And that's why it's only deferred. You just get to delay when you pay tax on something. And you can contrast that with a TFSA, where money goes into the TFSA. You don't get a a tax deduction on the contributions that you make to your TFSA. But once the money's in the TFSA, it's completely sheltered. So any investment growth that happens in the TFSA is not taxed. And it's allowed to come out of the TFSA at the end when you make your withdrawals. And it isn't included in your income in the year that you make the withdrawal. An important thing to remember is that on death, that distinction between a deferral and a shelter becomes important. In an RSP, if you're holding an RSP with, say, $200,000 worth of investments, when you pass away, because the value of those investments has been not taxed, but just deferred the tax obligation, it's deemed as though you've earned everything in your RSP the day that you passed away. So if you have $200,000 in an RSP and you you die, you're deemed to have earned $200,000 in the year that you passed away, in addition to whatever income you earned that year. By contrast with the TFSA, since the 
income is completely sheltered and the, the investments in a TFSA are completely sheltered, when you pass away, there's no tax consequences from the income standpoint on your death for the, the, the TFSA. Have I got that right, Elena? Absolutely. It's a great summary of the uh, situation, Andrew. Tell us what's unique about these plans with a beneficiary designation? What What's that? Yeah. So these accounts can have beneficiaries designated on them. And so what that means is it offers an opportunity for an individual holding these types of registered accounts to uh, say what they want to happen to them on death. So there are different ways to do that. They can do that by contract with the institution that holds the, uh, the particular asset, uh, or they can do that in their will. And, and really what the person holding that asset is doing is saying, this is the person that on my death, I want to receive a benefit payable under this plan, be it an RSP or a TFSA. Okay. So it's a, a way of leaving the asset to somebody else on death, just like you would do with property and things like that in a will. That's correct. Okay. Are there different kinds of beneficiary designations? There are actually, Andrew. It's a great question. There are different ways that beneficiaries can be identified. And, and I'll use the example of a TFSA. So with the TFSA, somebody can be simply identified as the beneficiary. And that means on death, the proceeds of the TFSA would pass to that individual. However, if that person happens to be the spouse or common law partner of the deceased, they can be identified as the beneficiary, but they can also be identified as the successor holder. The difference between those two is that the successor holder can actually carry on the TFSA like they've stepped into the shoes of the deceased individual, regardless of whether they have contribution room in their own TFSA or not. So it's a really great distinction to make when you're designating a beneficiary. Oh, that's very interesting. So another thing about beneficiary designations is that they allow assets to pass outside of an estate. So before we talk about that idea, I think it's useful to talk a little bit about what an estate is. So just in general terms, and I'm simplifying things, but when you die, all of your property vests in your executor who holds it in trust for your beneficiaries. And that pool of assets, that property that your executor holds in trust for your beneficiaries is called your estate. And it's an important concept, both from an estate law perspective and also from a tax perspective. In Ontario, and we're talking about Ontario here, the terminology is different in other provinces. There's a special tax uh, and it's distinct from income tax, which we talked about in the context of RSPs and PFSAs, but this special tax is called a state administration tax. And that's a tax that your estate must pay on assets if the executor applies for a certificate of appointment of a state trustee, it's a concept that we used to call probate. But as part of the estate administration process, your executor may have to apply for one of these certificates. And if he or she does that, then there will be tax owed on that pool of assets that we're calling the estate. Sometimes people say that beneficiary designations allow an asset to pass outside of the estate. And that means that they won't be included in that pool of assets for which a state administration tax will be owed. Can you tell me, Elena, what happens to an RSP on death if there's a beneficiary designation? An RSP on death with a beneficiary designation means that the proceeds of that RSP would be passed directly to the named beneficiary or beneficiaries. And so in essence, it could be as easy as uh, the named beneficiary contacting the institution, providing identification and proof that the person has passed away and receiving a check 
for the proceeds. Wow, that sounds really easy. So that's great. So that means that the proceeds in the RSP are going to pass directly outside of the estate to the intended beneficiary, which means that they won't fall within the estate. So if an executor applies for a certificate of appointment of a state trustee, those assets won't be counted when the estate administration tax is applied. Does that change the income tax? No, it doesn't change the income tax. As you'd mentioned earlier, there's the deemed disposition of that asset on the death of the individual, and there will be a tax liability payable by the individual in the year of their death. And that is typically funded by the estate. Okay. So even though the asset passes outside of the estate and goes directly to the beneficiary, there's income tax owed by the estate on the asset and the asset's not in the estate to pay the income tax that's owed on it. Is that right? That's correct. And a further problem arises when the person who's received the asset and the beneficiaries of the estate are different people. Okay. So let's bring this all together. Imagine that I'm a widower, so I'm not going to be leaving my estate to uh, my spouse. And I've got a RSP that's $200,000. And I've got the only other asset I have is a house that's say worth $200,000 as well. Maybe I've got two children and I think, okay, a nice simple way to divide my estate would be to have a beneficiary designation for my RSP to one child and in my will leave my estate, which consists only of this house to my other child. And I might think that I've divided my estate equally among my two children. Have I done that? You have not done that. Uh, what you've done is provided a beneficiary designation to the one child to receive the proceeds of your RSP. For the other child, you have provided them with a house and you've also provided them with any income tax and other liabilities that are going to be due from your estate. Including the income tax liability from that RSP that went to the other child. Correct. And the further difficulty there is that there may not be sufficient other cash to be able to satisfy these debts, meaning the child might end up having to sell that house to pay the debts and to pay any of these taxes. What should we have done? One thing to consider um, would be to have all of the assets come into the estate, uh, allow for the possibility that all of the debts to be paid are going to be paid by the residual beneficiaries of your estate equally, and they will receive then an equal distribution of whatever is left. Another consideration would be to include in the will language to specify what happens with that tax liability. So for example, the testator could have said the child who's receiving the RSP would actually also pay the tax liability associated with it. Okay. And of course, as always, if you're concerned about this, you know, a lawyer is going to be able to help you. So having good estate planning is going to ensure that these kinds of issues don't arise. So today we learned that beneficiary designations are a unique way to leave assets held in registered plans on death and that a beneficiary designation allows the plan assets to pass outside of the estate, which can have a benefit if you are trying to reduce the liability of estate administration tax. But it carries risks and it needs to be thought of carefully to make sure that tax owed on the income lines up with the asset needed to pay for the tax. I was just going to add, I think the most important thing to consider as part of this is making sure that the testator's wishes are carried out and that these unintended consequences don't arise after the testator is no longer there to speak to them. Okay.
Next episode of the podcast, we'll be talking about gifts and some interesting legal questions about leaving gifts in a will and leaving gifts during your lifetime. We hope you'll join us. If you've enjoyed our program, please like and subscribe to our future podcasts and please consider sharing our show with your friends and colleagues. KPMG Law is an international law firm with offices around the world. Our affiliation with KPMG gives us an unprecedented ability to combine legal, accounting, and audit advice for our valued clients wherever they live and do business. At KPMG Law, we value integrity, excellence, and courage, and we're working together for a brighter future. We'd like to thank our editors, the business development team, and until next time, remember you can't take it with you. <laughs>